The FM Evolution podcast is brought to you by CGP Maintenance and Construction Services. We'll ensure consistently great performance to help keep your business running smoothly. For more information, visit cgpconstruction.com. Nobody in the FM world has got all the answers to anything. Now, that's a bit of a bold statement, but it, the more you think about it, the more it's true. So you started this uh, off at the beginning talking about education. Now, that's what you get. If you participate in developing ISO standards, you get education. This is the FM Evolution Podcast, brought to you by CGP Maintenance and Construction Services, bringing you trends, innovations, and advancement of the facility management universe. Welcome to the Evolution. Here's Sean Black. What's up, you guys? It's Sean Black at FM Evolution. Hey, welcome back to another episode, and we are excited to continue our journey with Pro FMI. Uh, we have Randy Olson on on this show. Uh, and we are going to be discussing the ISO standards. Now, our guest uh, speaker is going to be uh, Stan Mitchell. And Stan, well, Stan is like, I don't know, 35 plus years in FM, um, is, runs a key facilities management, um, and they do amazing things. And Stan was such uh, an amazing person to have on the show. So much knowledge, so much information, and super, super passionate about FM. And it, like he says, FM is about people. And I love that because that's what this show is about, about connecting with others, talking about FM, looking at trends and innovations. So stay tuned. You're not going to miss this one. But before that, here's a word from our sponsors. Did you know that CGP Maintenance and Construction Services are also commercial plumbers? They added the plumbing division in 2000 and have been serving the nation's largest brands ever since. They offer everything from cleaning drains, camera work, and grease trap repairs to full repipes and dig-ups. So when your brand needs commercial plumbing, remember to call CGP. They are ready to be on-site 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. They specialize in restaurants, retail stores, commercial buildings, and hospitality. No matter what your plumbing needs may be, CGP is ready. And because they are a maintenance company, they can make the repairs needed after the plumbing is completed as well. One call will do it all. Call them today at 858-454-7326 or check them out on the web at www.cgpconstruction.com. Give them a call today. What's up, guys? It's Sean Black and FM Evolution. I'm your host, and uh, I'm always excited to be talking about education and partnering with Pro FMI and Randy Olson. And uh, today is another amazing show we have on. Randy, hey, welcome to the show, buddy. Hey, how you doing, Sean? Hope uh, hope the day's starting out well for you. Always a good start when I have the opportunity to do a podcast with you guys. Uh, we're very excited today to be able to meet with Stan Mitchell over at Key Facilities. Stan, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you very much, Sean. Looking forward to it. And I hope you're all well, uh, whatever part of the world you're in. Always well. Always um, uh, happy to have uh, amazing guests on and uh, friends from Pro FMI because you guys bring such cool stuff that we get to learn. And today is no, uh, no uh, different. We have some uh, cool stuff we're going to be talking about. You know, education is a big part of our show, a big part of our culture. Um, it's one of the main factors of why I wanted to really partner up with ProFMI because of all the, the amazing opportunities they bring to people in FM. 
and none of that really could be possible without ISO. And so today we're going to be talking to uh, to Stan and to Randy about ISO standards and and their impact on FM across the world. But uh, we'd like to kind of get to know people a little bit, Stan. For today, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and, and about key facilities so people will get to know you, that'd be great. Okay, very happy to do that. Um, well, I, first of all, uh, the strange accent is from Scotland. <laughs> uh, so I'm born and bred in Scotland. Uh, and I've grown up here uh, in the times that I haven't been traveling on business, which is uh, quite extensive until recently. Uh, I'm an engineer by discipline, and I, my early part of the career, uh, I spent in what in the States you call Merchant Marine. Uh, we call it over here Merchant Navy. And that was kind of my introduction to FM, but I was the FM guy on buildings that moved. So it was uh, slightly easier when I eventually left the sea and, and came ashore. And I ended up, uh, trying to cut a long story short, starting my own uh, facilities management company way back in 1990. So I've been I've been doing this thing called FM for quite a long time. Um, I realized uh, in trying to uh, make a living out of FM that in those days, hardly anybody had ever heard of the term. And uh, in order to promote it as a strategic professional discipline, um, alongside the architects, surveyors, engineers, etc., I realized that it had to have credible international standards or nobody was going to take it seriously. And uh, that was what got my motivation up to get involved in the standards world. And uh, we can talk a little bit more about the ISO 41000 standards in a moment. Um, but that was my logic in getting involved because developing standards is not something that automatically you would think your typical FM guy would get excited about. <laughs> because it's a, it's a very bureaucratic, uh, long-winded way of documenting what's deemed to be best practice. So, But if we're serious about what we do and we want it to sit alongside our peers in the built environment professions, then it's an essential thing to get on with and put some stakes in the ground. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to hear more about this, for sure. Uh, hey, Randy, for those who are new listeners to the show... Um, I'd love for them to learn a little bit about you as well and ProFI. Yeah, well, I lead the uh, design, development, distribution, and marketing of the ProFM credential program, and we do that do that globally. Um, I've been fortunate enough to uh, to build a lot of great relationships over the years, and Stan is certainly one of those. Uh, we first met in the in Dubai in uh, I believe it was 2012, even uh, the first time we crossed paths, and we've been a, a number of different places together. But Stan's a key member of the development of our body of knowledge and development of our program. And the ISO standards, which we're going to talk about today, are the basis for our program. We provide a holistic, comprehensive, um, all-in-one uh, facility management education and credential program, qualification program uh, for FMs all over the world. Uh, so we're a globally recognized credential that's, that's developed on top of the ISO 41000 uh, standards. And I think this is podcast number nine as it relates to different topics around uh, around uh, FM and around the pro FM that we've talked about. We've had a we've had a great journey together, and you know your listeners and our listeners are in for a treat today. So this is uh, candidly, you know, stands very humble. Candidly, one of the best guests we could possibly get on the, on this podcast, and has had so much impact 
on the validation of FM as a profession uh, all over the world. So um, anxious to to move forward with the discussion and um, you know, it'll be a, it'll be an entertaining journey. I'll guarantee you that. And maybe at the end we can even talk about the base city bombers. If, if that, <laughs> if that comes up, right? <laughs> and Sean, Sean, it cost me an expensive bottle of single malt to get oh, Randy to oh, sell no. that, you know? <laughs> well, that is the story we're going to have to hear about here. <laughs> oh man. Do you buy? Seriously? I oh, have yeah. got to get out more. <laughs> That is awesome, you guys. Uh, hey, so you guys know, uh, well, listeners know, and they always kind of are looking for the things that we kind of start off with here. Uh, it's kind of traditions. We we learn about what are, what everyone's reading right now. And so, uh, Stan, if you can start us off, this is kind of a, a way for us to get to know you and, uh, and, and add to our reading list. Okay. Um, <laughs> slightly difficult, um, but let me give you what I do read. Um, a little story. When my, the very first ship I sailed on sailed to uh, uh, Port Everglades um, uh, in the States, and I was a bit uh, wet behind the years. I'd never really traveled that much abroad, and I, I was one of only two Scotsmen on that ship. And when we arrived in Florida, the first person I met um, from Shoreside was somebody who had ancestors from Scotland and he was so knowledgeable about the history of Scotland and he knew much, much more than I did. And uh, that motivated me to go and learn a bit more about my own country. And that's when I started reading non-fiction history books about Scotland. So I would say 90% of the stuff I read is about the history of my country because a lot of us, and I include this very much in the U.S., we don't all know really the background to our country and all the, the history that goes with it because history teaches us for the future. Um, in terms of business, I've only ever read one business book and it was called The One Minute Manager. And it taught me, don't pontificate, go make decisions. It'll be a good one, it'll be a bad one, but whatever it is, you'll learn from it and you'll make a better one the next time. I love that. Hey, that's a good book too. It's a good choice. I love learning about your history. If you don't know, you know, where you've been and you don't know how, you know, how that affects your future. So you really learning about your history and your family, uh, I think it's important in the country that you guys come from. I did the little, um, the DNA test thing. I did two of them and, uh, I'm 97% uh, European. So I, and that breaks down to like basically half is Scottish and the other half is English. So I don't know. I got to pick one. <laughs> well the first the first cool. one the first one is very very good that's the first one yeah <laughs> what'd you say i'm half scottish i'm, I'm being <laughs> diplomatic well i'm 50 50 scots and irish so i'm a celt for sure there you go see exactly me too very awesome all right randy you're up sir what you got yeah so the the new book for me is a book by admiral william mccraven um, and it's called the Hero Code. So it's uh, you know pretty going to be a pretty quick read. I just opened it up, just got it, just opened it up. Um, but for the listeners, I recommend going out to YouTube. You know, the source of all information and all learning <laughs> these days, right? And do a search on William McRaven. You'll find a very famous uh, commencement speech from the University of Texas, um, where he talks about how to change the world and the. Um, his lesson is, if you want to change the world, start out by in the morning by making your bed. And he kind of he yeah. kind of goes from there. But it's a really motivating speech. 
Um, I'm excited to dig into this book. The first section is around courage. And there's an interesting quote right out the gate from Winston Churchill. So the folks need to pick up the book and read that. I'm not going to share that quote. So you got to go read that book. Um, oh, but he's, he's got a number of them and they're typically quick reads, but a lot of learning through that. I would say also that uh, there was a point in time where Stan and I were having a deep discussion about history and he's completely accurate where he knew more about us history than I did. So he's motivated me to learn a lot more about that. And, um, I'm, I'm starting. And then he's also humble in that he knows a lot of history outside of Scotland, including the U S but also world history and origins of things that I, you know, I don't know how all that knowledge stays in there, but he's been very motivating to me to learn more about that and have a much more intelligent discussion around that the next time we're together. So, uh, that's what's going on with me right now. Awesome, man. Well, those are great. We're going to add those to our list here. And uh, I've got multiple books. I'm, I just finished up uh, uh, several books by Jocko. And I got a bunch. I just downloaded. I'm, I got to get I got to get going. So I got to get doing Start reading my books. It's always a challenge, man. I think over the last year, I've, uh, uh, you know, including books on this list, been through 100. And so <laughs> I'm like, my brain hurts. But it's always good to get really good books. And I love, uh, I should be adding a lot more books uh, to not just business leadership, which most of mine are, but adding stuff like the history, uh, I think, gives you, you know, uh, enriches your life a lot. So thank you for adding those, you guys. I really I, I have, I have to give you some anecdotes to what uh, Randy just said. Um, nice. I was on a ship that arrived in Philadelphia on the 4th, uh, the 3rd of July uh, in the bicentennial year. And the ship, the whole dockyard shut down. So we had a week of doing nothing, which is unheard of when you're working on a ship at sea. And I toured the whole of Philadelphia um, during that week. And that's what stimulated my interest in American history, because you don't have uh, a lot of it, but what you have, you sell exceptionally well. And the other, the other connection is our office until a year ago was called the Pistol Factory in Scotland. And it was uh, where they made uh, 18th century pistols. And it's reputed that the first pistol that was fired in the American War of Independence was made in that building. And th so that was my connection. And a lot of, uh, I, I visited the Constitution Museum in Philadelphia and spoke to the, the people there. And they uh, confirmed some of that story that indeed the Major Pitcairn, who's repeatedly fired the first shot, the shot that was heard around the world, was made in that building that we spent 25 years working from. Yeah, that is cool. <laughs> See, you never know. Things are always so interwoven and connected. You just, it's pretty cool that uh, you worked in that building and, and uh, got to experience that. That's, that's really cool. Well, Nothing to do with FM or ISO standards. No, it doesn't. Do that's okay. <laughs> hey, we're going to get to that. Thank you for bringing that up. It's a good segue. Uh, so, Stan, uh, how does someone get involved in developing yep. ISO standards for facility management? I mean, where, is, where do you begin? Yep. Well, where, where you begin is every, there's 166 countries that are members of ISO. Okay. So, whatever they're developing a standard for, uh, every one of those countries can, if they choose, participate. So if a country decides to participate, it needs to create a committee that specializes in that topic. 
And that's the same for FM. Now, in the US, the organization is called ANSI, A-N-S-I, and that is the national standards body uh, for America. And every other country has its own national standards body. So if you want to get involved, what you do is you call up ANSI and you say, do you have an FM committee associated with ISO Technical Committee 267 Facility Management? That's the formal name of it. And ANSI will tell you, yes, so will Canada, um, so will Panama. Um, we currently on the ISO FM committee have 52 countries that participate. Wow. And every, every one of those countries is welcoming of volunteers to step up and become engaged uh, to participate. That's incredible. Uh, I had no idea. <laughs> Man, that's, that's why I love doing these shows. I learned so, so many new things. Um, why did you decide that this was something that you were passionate about developing? Okay. That goes back to, I spoke at a conference in the very, very early days of FM and actually in Spain. And it was a property managers conference. And I was the only guy there that was talking about FM. No, nobody was ever heard of it. It was another fashion or whatever. And uh, I thought I'd tell a joke at the beginning. Um, and what I said at the I'm not good at telling jokes. Uh, what I said is um, property management is a subset of facilities management. So I thought that was quite a funny remark to make, but nobody laughed um, because the whole conference was full of property guys. And the interesting thing was at the end of uh, my session, um, a senior corporate director of real estate who was also a speaker, and he was in the audience, uh, he said to me about my supposed joke, he said, Stan, you're absolutely right. It should be a subset of FM. But, and the big but was, until you guys in FM get your act together and have international standards that are credible, nobody's going to take you seriously. And that was the bell that rang for me, and that's why I got involved in doing it. And uh, the rest is history, as it were. But I do believe FM, I don't believe property is a subset of FM. I believe property asset management sits alongside FM. I think they're both equally important. And we actually got together with the ISO Committee on Asset Management, and we knocked our heads together and developed a quick paper to say, what's the difference? Because people keep asking, what's the difference between asset management and uh, FM, facilities management? And uh, we, we, we got down to a level that said, well, asset management is about things and facilities management is about people. Hmm. And actually, the more you think about that, that works. Now, we both need each other and we both cross paths in, in terms of business. But fundamentally, that's what it is. Because a lot of people think FM is about building services and, and, and assets and that kind of stuff. But it's not. It's, it ultimately is all about people. People who work in a workspace and need a good environment. People who want things to be clean and hygiene, as we're all very aware of these days, um, et cetera, et cetera. So, so that was how it came about. And that's that relationship between the property asset management professional discipline and the facilities management discipline. That's probably the best definition I have ever heard or FM. Really is, and especially compared to asset or property management. Good one. And 
makes me look at my show in a whole new, whole new way. Really, thank you for doing it. That's awesome. That makes. I think, I think the more you the more you think about it, that that's what it's all about, you know. Yeah. And when when Randy and I were working on the Pro FM, I etc. When we were trying to get develop it along with the rest of the the, the group, um, it, it keeps coming back to people. It keeps coming back to what we do is about influencing those people, not just the people in a building, but the people who live around a building, the people who own a building as opposed to the people who are using a building. Um, so it's all these different stakeholder groups, but at the end of the day, it's all about people. I love that. I know Randy will definitely agree on that, huh, buddy? Yeah, absolutely. And I think I've probably introduced that, um, you know, FM is fundamentally about the people business. I should have um, given proper acknowledgement to Mr. Mitchell here because that's his his quote that I quote over and over and over. Um, you know, when we went to development of the uh, of the ProFMI, we started with um, the ISO standards as the key input into our body of knowledge, into our roadmap for building the program on top of. And if you boil that down to the kind of to the basic level here, um, there's a standard that, you know, Stan can certainly provide more detail on this, but 41,011 is facilities management vocabulary. And if you start there, right, and you have a common language across the world, across all those countries and organizations that provide facility management services to their people, and you know, keeping the people in focus, um, you know, then we have we've got a common way to move forward. So um, absolutely agree. Um, absolutely um, am aligned with that. And you know, Stan and I talked even Friday about um, the role of facility manager with folks outside the building, and that you know, it doesn't end. It doesn't end within that physical building because it is about the people. It's about their well-being. It's about their safety at home. It's about being able to create teamwork. Even when, um, you know, we're not face-to-face, we don't have those, you know, in the U.S. here, we like to call it water cooler discussions, you know, and um, our, our mutual friend Stan Stormy Friday would say management by walking around, um, you know, we, we don't get to do that now. So um, how do we keep that culture? How do we keep that teamwork, teamwork of the organization? Because it's about the people and facilities is right in the hub of that. You know, facility managers are right in the hub of that. So completely aligned with everything Stan just said. I love that, and it and I could agree more with you both. The both of you guys, just based on my short time in this area, I've been at seven years, and it's uh, it's definitely about the people. And and for me, it's um that that is what I do, you know, and, and connecting with people and really, uh, you know, trying to influence this and learning so much about the the people that are in FM, and it's incredible the amount of dedication and the amount of teamwork that people have in this industry. Uh, I, I love that. Randy, I was going to ask you, uh, you know, how does ProFMI kind of use ISO standards? You kind of started with that. And, and, and so what I kind of want to follow up is not all certifications are made equal. <laughs> you know what I mean? And right. so one of the things I was going to ask you is how important was, you know, having those ISO standards as part of your guys' certification process? Yeah, and, and critical. So we, you know, we set out to develop the the education standard um, built on top of those globally recognized standards. It provides validation. You know, our entire program allows folk, uh, folks to fill in knowledge gaps and then provide validation against that. So it, it was critical that we had a roadmap going forward. We used, you know, a couple things out the gate, and you know, one was the ISO standards. 
And then um, in the U.S. here, there's the Federal Building Personnel Training Act, which provides a nice little uh, set of knowledge, skills, and abilities for federal facility managers. So we use that as a blueprint as well. And then the third area is we tapped into experts and um, we tapped into the people. You know, Stan was a key member and still is today of our Pro-FMI Commission or our board, if you will, that really defined this this uh, this standard around education and training. So, um, yeah, critical that we started with those ISO standards. And, and, and then, you know, as I talked about earlier, that common vocabulary and that common language um, around the world. Love it. Something I heard earlier, and hopefully, Stan, you can help me out, is uh, for those who don't know or haven't heard of the ISO 41000 standards, can you kind of explain what that is? Yeah, sure. It, it's a family of standards. So when, when ISO uh, agrees to a technical committee, they give you a block of numbers. So all of our standards will be 41-something, the three other digits. It's a five-digit code that they use. So at the moment, um, the technical committee, which was only established back in 2012, um, we've published five standards and we've currently got six other standards uh, underway. Um, so the, the, the standards at the moment that we've published include uh, how to, the vocabulary that, that uh, um, has just been mentioned, uh, we have one that is about strategic uh, procurement and FM agreements, how to structure those. Um, we have, we've published FM strategy, how to develop FM strategy. Uh, we've, we're working at the moment on human experience. So, you know, given what we talked about earlier, that if it's all about people, can we create a standard about uh, how FM affects people and how people affect our ability to deliver FM. Um, and that's a challenging one. That's, that's an interesting one that's still not quite across the line yet, but it's nearly there. Um, when you talk to Gordon, who leads our technology in FM, we're about to publish a, a report about that. And we're also working on um, emergency management, particularly on the back of the pandemic where we're trying to capture all the learns that we've all gained in, in the past two years about dealing with a pandemic where FM was really in the front line along with our medical people. But, but they are typically the unsung heroes. They're the people that are having to get into that office space, that workplace, whatever it is, uh, get it ready. And I was asked the other day, so what, what is your priority? in doing that and getting workplaces ready for occupancy again. And actually, I, it comes back to the people thing. It's about developing confidence and trust. It's, it's not about the cleaning. The cleaning's the technical stuff. The air conditioning's the technical stuff. And to a great extent, that's straightforward. We know what we should be doing there. Um, and if we weren't doing it before, we need to be doing it now. But how do you get people to come back in and feel comfortable and want to go into a workplace? So one of the big challenges um, for FMers is how do you do that? And in your business, Sean, it's about good, effective uh, communication. Um, and it's then when people walk through a door, what's their first impression going to be? Because you only get one chance to create a first impression. 
And uh, then slowly, slowly, catch a monkey, you get people back in, you get them comfortable again, start working in their teams again, and then hopefully in due course we get back to the new norm, whatever that is. But teamwork's so, so important. And uh, a, a lot of talk right now about people doing away with that kind of teamwork space, I think they will rue the day when they do that, if they do it too far. Um, it's very, very, you know, part of what makes us all tick is that social interaction. And that's certainly the case when you talk about business and commerce. Yeah. How, I mean, so Karen, we talked about, you know, the standards and how they're published and what you guys have been working on. Um, what does that process look like? I mean, you guys all sit around and go, hey, I think we should we should do this. And everyone kind of votes or like, how does that work? Okay. It, it's a very interesting process because the, the one thing that we all learn, if we didn't learn it before, is nobody in the FM world has got all the answers to anything. Now, that's a bit of a bold statement, but it, the more you think about it, the more it's true. So you started this uh, off at the beginning talking about education. That's what you get. If you participate, in developing ISO standards, you get education because not everybody agrees with your perspective on anything. Um, so we, we've got a very close-knit group because we've been together now since 2012 mainly, um, but new people are joining all the time and new people come in with new ideas and we, we construct debate. I don't think we ever actually argue. You'll get some people that will go in the huff because they didn't win the day or whatever. But, uh, <laughs> you know, discussion. absolutely. <laughs> and um, so you have those debates. And then the, the, the objective of ISO standards is consensus. And sometimes consensus comes to the lowest common denominator that you can get everybody in the room to agree. And it dilutes it maybe a little bit for, from certain perspectives. But it's a fantastic process when it's done professionally, politely, um, and you learn so, so much. And you think you go into these forums where, you know, we've done FM for 20 years. I've got nothing more to learn in my experience. And you're totally wrong. And it doesn't take long to find that out. <laughs> so it is an intuitive process by people coming together. And in, interestingly, the, the biggest challenge as somebody who had to lead that kind of group, uh, the biggest challenge, I thought the biggest challenge would be English, the language English, because 52 countries, not everybody sitting there, English is their first language. Not the problem at all. Um, most people will, to whatever degree, speak, understand, write English. The big, big, big challenge is the definition you take out of the English. And that's a massive challenge, you know, in terms of making sure people understand what you've just said in English. And um, we learned that very, very quickly. And in some cases, there are cultures where, uh, where in America or in Scotland, we're, we're, we're okay about saying, I don't agree with that. And, you know, you've got it wrong, Randy, you know, or whatever it might be. <laughs> um, other cultures just won't, can't do that. So when you're leading a group like that, you've got to be looking at body language. You've got to be understanding some of those cultural nuances and then making sure we get the best out of everybody in those forums. But it's a fantastic experience, I, I, trust me. Um, and if anybody has ever thought about doing it, I would highly recommend them to do it. They will come out 
much, much better, not just because of FM, but they'll come out more international in their thinking. They'll come out more culturally aware of that everybody around the world has got something to give in this process. And ultimately, what you try and create is ISO standards. Man, I love that. And I think, Sean, to, to add to that, I, I came out with an appreciation of the process. I mean, it, it, in an appreciation of the, so the individual that leads it is called a convener and um, an appreciation of the skill and ability of those conveners is amazing. Um, it can be overwhelming. I will tell you the process can be overwhelming, but you'll learn so much out of that. And, and I would, I would um, agree with uh, Stan on there's some, some reasonable discourse that happens in these in these meetings. The first one I was in, there was a gentleman from Spain, fairly strong personality, and um, Manuel Medina, um, who we had on about space management earlier right. in the year in the podcast. And they got into a deep discussion around strategy and what that means and what what is a strategic level and what's a uh, you know more tactical level. And you know, in different parts of the world, that has different meaning, but. Um, the convener of that particular group was able to bring them together and get them to a reasonable um, consensus around that topic. So it's a it's a interesting process. You know what? Um, right now, just hearing you guys, I I love the fact that you can have a great debate and disagree and still come together. It seems like that is not the case anywhere in the world right now. But <laughs> but I love the fact that. In FM developing ISO standards, you can do that. So that's pretty cool. You guys, we're right in the middle of the show. We're going to take a break and thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back. This episode of FM Evolution is brought to you by Pro FM. Earn your Pro FM credential to elevate your FM knowledge and skills to receive the recognition you deserve. Visit us at profmi.org/evolution. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Sean Black, and I'm here with Randy Olson and Stan Mitchell. And we're talking about ISO standards and uh, how these standards are affecting FM across the world. And really, I've learned so much about FM from these guys just in the amount of time I've been here. And I love the fact we've been talking about how FM is really about the people and how these standards really affect the people. And I'm, I'm, I'm really interested to learn more about that. Um, but Stan, I wanted to ask you, what, uh, what do facility management professionals and organizations do with these standards? Like, how do they use them? Okay, um, good question, actually, because there might be a perception that these documents um, is trying to tell you what to do. It doesn't. None of them do that. Uh, what these documents do is they, they, they bring together all that knowledge from the participating countries and people around the world in that discipline. And what they try to do is create a framework. Um, so it's like a, they create a benchmark. If, if you look at the strategic sourcing document, strategic procurement document, sorry, um, what that does is say to you, um, if you're going out and uh, wanting to procure an FM agreement, uh, you need to think about all of these things. So, you need to think about the perspective of the users, the customers with the bums on the seat in the workplace. You need to think about the owners of the facility, the, the investor that's built the building. 
you need to think about the, the corporate client, the company that all these people work for. You need to think about that community around where those facilities are. And it, it's a guide, it's a benchmark, it's a framework that, that prompts you to have the right conversations on the basis that if you go through that process, at the end of it, you've, you've got a much, much better chance of having an agreement that works for everybody. So it's trying to, that particular one's trying to get away from the carrot and stick mentality mm. of owners and suppliers, and they're going to beat you up if you get something wrong. And it's much more about developing, first of all, everything on the table, everything clear and understood. Now you've set a framework for a partnership where everybody wins. Uh, and that's one example in one of the documents. So the, 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 And there's two types of standards that we create. Sorry, there's three types of standards. A technical report is something that we create reasonably quickly and can publish with a, a faster process. And the, the technology in FM is a technical report that's just about to be published. You then have technical standards. And what I mean by that, um, it's a vertical topic. So it might be a standard about um, procurement, let's say, or about cleaning. We, we don't do that because there are trade bodies that do that. Um, but it's, it's about a very specific subject. Uh, creating an FM strategy is a specific subject about this is what you should go through. This is how you should approach it. And hopefully at the end of it, you've got a strategy that works for the organization you're serving as well as your team that are going to have to deliver it. And the third type of standard we have is management system standards. And they're horizontal standards. So in FM, we've created ISO 41001, which is the first ever management system standard for delivering FM. And that is a standard where you can get an external body to come and accredit you and give you a certificate of accreditation to say that you meet the international best standard on delivering FM. And that looks into the organizational structure, how you train your people, how you communicate, et cetera, et cetera. And it's the, it's the FM equivalent of ISO 9001, which is the quality management system standard. So it's the same thing, but purely for FM. And that is an incredibly significant standard. But for, for anybody that's just uh, been promoted into managing an FM team, for anybody that wants to outsource to an FM company, these are standards that you can then apply and say, do you follow that standard? And um, for, for organizations that either internally, politically want to get a certificate on the wall, or external outsourcing companies that want to have a marketing advantage, yeah. these standards become or can become quite important. I love that. It kind of brings everyone together on the same page. Yeah. Randy, have you seen yeah, a big change on that? I want to kind of hear from you on this too. Yeah, absolutely. So I was gonna I was gonna tie it back to another earlier guest we had on the podcast, Bill Conley from Yamaha. Ah, oh, Bill, yes. Yeah, so he's going through the process now of, of uh, certification around the ISO standards. So, um, you know, that, that ties back. You talked a little bit to that on our on our podcast. But yeah, in terms of change, I mean, that that's kind of the definition of FM. And it has been, you know, for, for as long as I've been in it, since uh, 2009, 
the speed of change has not slowed down. And if you think about, uh, if you boil it down to the last 18 months and what we've dealt with the last 18 months and the change that's happened there, while things seem like they've gone really slow at times, <laughs> you know, it, it, uh, the, the speed of change has gone very fast. The advancement of technologies and the ability to, to use those technologies to deliver better service and a better experience to the people uh, that we talked about earlier, um, you know, and, and, it, and it, it forces the facility manager to critically think through those problems and, and be that leader in the organization. You know, so it boils down to um, leadership, communication, and the ability to critically think and deliver those services. Back to Stan's point about one minute manager, you know, you got to make a decision pretty quick here. You know, some are right, some are wrong, but you got to make a decision, be decisive on that and, and move on. Um, our program helps develop those skills, you know, those critical thinking skills um, to deliver the best possible service to the constituencies that the facility management serves. I love that. As you've seen these standards roll out, what kind of impact have you have you seen on organizations? Yeah, interesting. And uh, following on from what Randy has just been saying, um, because the, the, the Pro-FM credential kind of follows that structure, um, but in a, a lot more detail. So it's truly grabbing you and pulling you in from a framework to say, this is what it means. This is the detail, you know. Um, but we, uh, when the pandemic kicked off, because it's a topical subject right now for everybody in the world. And when the pandemic kicked off, we, we asked um, a couple of organizations that had already gone through ISO 41001 accreditation and said, did it have any, did it make any difference for you and your organization in your opinion? And a couple of them came back and said, most definitely yes, because part of the standard, it pushes people to look at risk and risk management. And because a couple of those organizations had taken that on board and started to take a deeper dive into how they managed risk, because, you know, risk management is a never-ending activity and you're never, ever going to get there and tick a big box. But if you start to get a handle on it, then you're better prepared for when risk does occur and, and comes around the corner. And they were very clear that it helped them a lot have already started to take that deeper dive when the pandemic did start to hit, they were much, much better prepared. That's really interesting. You know, it actually makes me kind of think, Randy, we've talked a lot about the 91%, right? And in your, in your latest surveys. And I, I love that we, you know, on our last show, we were talking with Ferrandino uh, and Sons and how they've been using it with their organization. And it, it, it seems to be there, there is just a, a demand for education on and I was wondering, are you seeing also a demand for more ISO standards? Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. You know, Stan talked about the things that are, are currently in development and, you know, this will continue to grow. And, um, you know, the, the, um, the additions of additional countries into the, onto the team, you know, really helps broaden that expertise and helps build the additional demand for, uh, for services. So to, to put a little, to put a little detail around the 91%. So we did a, a uh, education and training outlook survey in early 2021, where we asked folks, you know, kind of your biggest challenges around facility management as it relates to education and training. And, and um, you know, 91% of staff said they don't have the appropriate knowledge, skills, and abilities 
to deliver the service they'd like to deliver. And then managers um, also said that there's significant gaps in terms of those knowledge, skills, and abilities for their staff. So, um, you know, it's pretty clear, uh, given the change that we've seen and that we've talked about, that there's a, a significant need for education and, and for standards and the, the ability to have common language and common process and that framework that, that Stan discussed. Gosh, man, there is so much to cover on this topic, you guys. We could go literally on forever, I think, because there's just there's so much detail in developing standards and what you can do with them and how they impact people. Uh, and I just don't think people kind of realize, you know, uh, how much really goes into this, this process. Um, we got to wrap up because we're, we're really coming to the end of the show here. But Stan, I wanted to ask you, you know, what advice would you give leaders in FM about these ISO standards? Is this, I mean, is this something someone should get into? Is, what, do you, what, what would you think? I mean, I think the probably answer is yes, but. <laughs> well, I, well, I would. I mean, when you think about it logically, you're daft if you don't. You know, <laughs> I, I mean, there's so much knowledge that has brought together that consensus, you know. But I've got, I've got a favorite uh, term that I use a lot. Um, a, a guy that invented the term, if you do not measure, you cannot improve. Okay. Yes, uh, and that was invented. That was a term that's actually been used by others in various guises uh, over the years, management gurus, etc. But if you do not measure, you cannot improve. It was actually a term uh, developed by a guy called Lord Kelvin in Scotland, and he was a professor in Glasgow University. And you probably never heard of him, Sean, because most people haven't. Um, <laughs> but he's the guy that invented the measurement of temperature. Yes, I actually have heard of him. <laughs> All right, good man. Because yeah. the real the real measurement scale is scale Kelvin. Yes. It's named after him. Um, and from my from my experience in terms of reading these standards, is it gives you that benchmark against which you can measure. And only when you measure can you then go for yourself, for your team, for your organization, you can go and improve. And I'll guarantee that 100% because none of us have got all the answers to anything in FM. It's such a diverse, challenging, frustrating, uh, demanding discipline to be involved in. And it's a people discipline. And uh it's, I can't think of anything better to be involved in because it's incredibly rewarding when you get it right. But these standards are there as a fantastic reference against which to go and make that measurement and then go and do it better. Man, I want to get involved now. <laughs> this is so much fun. Randy, any final thoughts from you, sir, for the show? Well, I, I, you know, I think we could probably do a part two here. I think we probably that, should. That would that would be my my first thought. Yeah, and yeah. that that part two could go many different directions. In case you couldn't you couldn't tell, because uh, you know one of the most interesting people I've ever been able to be around here is, is Stan. So, and I've learned a ton. I'm humbled in in his presence typically. So, um, you know, I I just you know, I think folks should take the step, learn more. Um, understand what the, the meaning to your organization, um, and then take the step to learn more about ProFM. And you'll probably ask me in a minute here how you get that information. So yep. I'll jump, jump ahead and say you can go to profmi.org. 
and get all the information you need about the ProFM credential that's based on and has key inputs from the ISO standards. Awesome. Thank you, Randy, for that. And thank you for bringing such amazing guests to the show and being sponsors of the show. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Stan, for those who are looking to connect with you and learn more and ask you some follow-up questions, how do they find you? How do they find key facilities? Uh, key facilities management or Stan Mitchell. There's there's lots of stuff I think on the website. Not I've ever looked for it, but uh, I can give you my email address. Or Randy knows how to contact me. So any which way. But key facilities management is the name of the business, and we currently work and have worked for a long time worldwide. So we're we're kicking around in lots of places in the world. Awesome, you guys. Well, we'll wrap up. And we should definitely talk about another one of these shows. And uh, I think we could literally talk forever on this subject. Thank you guys so much for being a part of the show. Thank you for bringing guests and bringing so much information to our listeners. Uh, For those who are listening on YouTube, give us a like, click on subscribe and, and hit the little bell for notifications. So, you know, when we get amazing videos like this, uh, when they come out, you can see them. And then all of you guys who are listening on your podcasts, uh, wherever you get your podcast, uh, feel free to subscribe and then also leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you. I know Randy would love to hear if you guys have questions about ProFMI uh, and uh, tons of opportunity to ask questions about FM. So thank you guys so much, Stan, Randy. Thank you. We'll see you on the next show. Take care. Have a great day. Thank you. This episode of FM Evolution is brought to you by ProFM. How do your FM skills measure up to the global standard? Try our free Map Your Gap self-assessment at profmi.org evolution.